These are the words of Jesus. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Lord God, we thank you that we can be here today. We thank you, Lord, that we can sing praises to you. We thank you, Lord, that we can stand here praying right now. We thank you, Lord, for this privilege we have to read your word and now think deeply upon your truth. And our prayer, Lord, is that you would change us, that you would make us more into the people you want us to be. And Lord, we pray you would have your way with us today. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we have come to these final words in the Sermon on the Mount. Very appropriate in a week where we have experienced such torrential rain and downpour and even flooding and even a tornado so we can definitely relate in some small way we southern californians as jesus speaks of the wise and the foolish builders uh, the one that builds his house upon the rock the one that builds his house upon the sand and then what happens when the rain and the flood and the winds come against that house But we know that Jesus wasn't talking about literal rain and wind and flood. He was speaking of people's lives. He was telling a parable, and he said it was like this. He's telling a parable, speaking of people's lives, and what they choose to build their life upon. And that when tough times come, and ultimately when Judgment Day arrives, that the quality of of their life will be seen for what it truly is. That their end will either be, as Jesus puts it, standing or falling in God's presence. They will either be preserved or they will come to ruin. And uh, if you think about what we looked at last week in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, what you see is that Jesus was contrasting then with saying and doing. People say certain things to him, but do other things and don't do his will. Today, though, in these verses we're looking at, he is contrasting hearing and doing. That people hear, but then don't put into practice what they hear. And so Jesus gives a parable. He's giving a parable of two builders. Two kinds of builders. The first is wise. Now, we've been hearing this since we were kids. I remember the church I grew up which didn't preach the gospel and didn't preach God's word, I was taught this story. The only problem was the gospel was left out of it. uh, But I remember it, and and we, we teach kids this thing about the wise and the foolish and the rock and the sand. But there's the wise who built his house on the rock, Jesus says, and the second kind of builder, the foolish one who built his house upon sand. Now, Jesus says in verse 25, basically, like a wise man who built his house upon a rock is everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. Why would they be wise? Because 
Verse 25, the rains came, the floods came, the winds blew, it beat against that house, the the house was assaulted by these elements, and the house didn't fall. The house doesn't fall because it is strong enough to withstand not only the storms of life, but also the final storm of God's judgment. Then he says in verse 26, like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand is everyone who hears my words and does not do them, who does not put them into practice. And what happens there? Verse 27, the rains come, the the floods come, the winds blow against that house and attack that house, assault that house, and because it's weak, it falls. It's weak because of where it's built and upon what it's built. Palestine is known for torrential rains. Southern California is not known for torrential rains. But Palestine is known for huge rainstorms. Rains that can turn dry riverbeds into flood channels instantly. And it's the storms, Jesus say, says, that ultimately reveals the quality of of each house the true condition the true substance of each house now if you've been following along with us this year in the sermon on the mount you may have been switching back and forth between matthew chapters uh, five through seven and also in luke which is a parallel account uh, often called the sermon on the plain i want you to go there with me today because interestingly in in luke where where there's a parallel account it's not word for word used most of the time. But here the account is, is almost word for word, but there are some, some differences, uh, some slight nuances in the story uh, that are important to point out. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 47, Jesus says, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep. There's a difference. Here he's speaking of digging deep to get a foundation. He who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream broke, so now you've got a river or a stream breaking loose over its banks. A little different there um, rather than a flood. But the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground. Slight difference there, not sand, but just the ground. Built a house on the ground without a foundation, kind of like pitching a tent. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. This parallel passage kind of points out the same thing, but a few, a few different nuances. The foundation is dug deep. The, the rivers are overflowing. But Jesus is giving us the same picture. A collapsing house of a foolish man who fails to obey Jesus' teaching. The standing house of a wise man who listens and does what Jesus says. Interesting to note that each house looks good in good weather. When the weather's good, they both look good. It's like uh, you look at a... Um, 
maybe a real a realtor's uh, website which has a house and you're looking at it in a faraway place let's say down in the south and and it looks great but they don't tell you it's built in the flood you know a flood channel and when it rains it floods but both of these houses look secure they both look good in good weather and only the storms reveal the true quality of the house and how it's built and what it's what it's built upon now when jesus was speaking these words he he was speaking to his disciples and any who would come and listen and and the most biblically literate amongst them the ones who knew god's word the best would have been thinking and making connections as jesus spoke to what they knew was in the word of god already and so like other parts in the sermon on the mount the image that jesus gives is rooted in wisdom literature uh, specifically proverbs in proverbs chapter 10 and verse 25 it says that when the tempest passes the wicked are no more but the righteous is established forever so someone amongst his hearers might have made that connection proverbs chapter 12 and verse 7 says the wicked are overthrown and are no more but the house of the righteous will stand Proverbs 14.11 says, The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the righteous will flourish. So they may have been making these connections, those who knew the word of God. But I think the best connection would be in Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28, verses 16 and 17. It's a passage of scripture that was used often in the early church, where God is describing the laying of a precious cornerstone in zion a foundation stone and the the idea there is that there's this foundation stone so that the one who trusts in that stone will not be in a panic when judgment comes look with me at isaiah chapter 28 verse 16 therefore thus says the lord behold i am the one who has laid as a foundation in zion a stone a tested stone a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste, will not be in a panic. And I will make justice the line and righteousness the plumb line, and hail will sweep away the refuge of lies, and waters will overwhelm the shelter. That's the, the refuge of lies. The, the shelter is that of the wicked, that of the foolish builder that builds on the sand. The wise are trusting in that cornerstone which we know is jesus christ and the wise is trusting and and will stand secure will stand firm and will not be in a panic when judgment comes the point jesus is making here is that knowledge is made relevant when it's translated into real observable action he's saying you say you know me and you know what i have to say then do it Put it into practice. Put it into action. As William Barclay put it this way, knowledge must become action. Theory must become practice. Theology must become life. It's kind of what James was pointing to in James chapter 1. I alluded to it briefly last week, but let's look at it. James chapter 1 and verses 22 to 25, this whole idea of being doers of the word of, of obeying the word of God he instructs 
his beloved brothers to, and, and to, to be quick to hear and slow to speak and, and slow to anger. But basically in verse 22 of, of James chapter 1, he says, Be doers of the word. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. I'm going to take a wild guess that all of you looked in a mirror this morning before you came to church. And you were looking in that mirror to, to make sure you were presentable. Or at least make, make sure you knew what other people were going to see. It says, the person that looks at the word and hears it and doesn't do it, he's like someone who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. I know that's easy to do. It's easy to do it with the word of God, to, to hear the word of God and then, and then to walk away and, and not base your life upon what you just heard, but base it on some idea you have. Or some idea you hear from someone else that isn't based upon the word of God. That isn't based upon truth. I remember when I was a, a brand new believer in college. And I was just trying to get into reading the word every day. And, and I remember often I would remember at the end of the day when it was late. And so I would you know, open up my Bible and read something. And I'd go, oh man, I sure wish I would have read that earlier in the day. And then maybe I wouldn't have done all those other things I did. Problem is now, you can read it early in the morning and still walk away and do those same things. Isn't it easy to do that? We forget, you know, we, we, we leak and we don't, we don't hold it all in. And it's a good thing that God is faithful because often we're not. And that's part of being human. That's part of being, being real. And, and God knows that. Jesus knew that when he was saying these things. When he said, you know, if you, if you hear my word and you don't do it, you're foolish. He's speaking the truth, but he knows what we're like. He doesn't want to excuse it, but it's true. But it says, be doers of the word, not merely hearers. And it says that the one who looks, though, in verse 25, James chapter 1, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he'll be blessed in his doing. God will be using you to make a difference it'll make a difference in your life it'll make a difference in your household it'll make a difference in your workplace and in your school and any other realm you go carries over into James chapter 2 in verse 14 which he asked this question what good is it my brothers if someone says he has faith but does not have works he's basically saying mere talk won't get you anywhere you've got to have substance behind it and substance to back it up he says what if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, James 2.15. And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled. Without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? That's empty. That's like what's going on in Haiti right now. So many people are giving and going. But what if we just said, we're just going to pray. We're just going to pray for them that God would send them help. That's all good and well, but why not go ourselves and, or send the help ourselves like so many are doing? Putting into action the words that we say. So it's a good thing we see going on right now. But faith without works, James says, is, is by itself. It's dead. There's another tie-in that the biblically literate, those who knew the word, that heard Jesus say these things on, on the on 
the mountain there would have thought of. And it, it's in Ezekiel, chapter 33. Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 30 God is speaking to Ezekiel and he says to him as for you son of man your people who talk together about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses say to one another each to his brother come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord great hungry for the word verse 31 and they come to you as people come and they sit before you as my people and they hear what you say but they will not do it. For with lustful talk in their mouths they act, their heart is set on their gain. And behold, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument. For they hear what you say, but they will not do it. When this comes, and it come it will, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. And Jesus was more than a prophet. And Jesus is saying person who hears my words that I have said and does not do them is building on a shaky foundation Jesus says the people should listen to what he has to say Jesus wants us not only to hear and listen but to do and act on what he says to stake our lives upon it to put all our eggs in that basket to trust him completely over and over again in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been calling for exclusive allegiance to his lordship. Exclusive allegiance. According to Jesus, there are two foundations. One that the wise builds upon, and it's the rock. And one that the foolish builds on, and it's sand. Now Jesus, as God, knew and knows everything about life. He created it. But here what he's demonstrating is familiarity with building principles, building techniques. Maybe a reflection of his training as the son of a carpenter, his father's trade being that of a carpenter. But in those days, you know, Jesus is speaking of sand and rock. But in those days, the sand on the, the shores of the Sea of Galilee would get very hard in the hot summer months. And an unwise builder... Would, or maybe a builder who didn't know better or, or didn't care could see that and think, hey, here's a good place to build a house. And so they would. And it was hard and it, was, it looked good. But no good builder would do that. They knew better. Wise builders would not be fooled by surface appearance. They wouldn't be fooled by surface conditions. They would sometimes dig as far as 10 feet down to get to bedrock in order to, to gain a good footing for their home. They would go down to bedrock to anchor their foundation for their building. And then when the winter rains would come, and come they would, especially in that part of the world, those winter rains would overflow the banks of the Jordan River. So Jesus being, being recorded talking in Luke, talking about the, uh, the river overflowing its banks, is very appropriate to that part of the country. The, the, the winter rains would come that would overflow the banks of the Jordan River, which flowed into the Sea of Galilee. And houses built on the surface would have a very unstable foundation, none at all. But the houses built on bedrock, they would withstand the floods. They would stand secure. 
they wouldn't be moved. That's what Jesus is talking about. Gordon Franz, in his book, uh, Archaeology in the Biblical World, tells of excavations in that region of the world in the 1970s that uncovered uh, basalt stone bedrock that was, uh, that was meant, uh, apparently used for the building of, of homes and other structures back then. They used rock, they used stone, they anchored to rock. But Jesus is speaking to people's lives. So what is the rock and what is the sand? What's the rock stand for? What's the, stand, the sand? According to these verses, the rock is Jesus' very words. Jesus' words. And the sand, basically anything other than that. <laughs> anything other than Jesus and his words. The rock is Christ's words heard and obeyed. It's exclusive allegiance to Jesus and his lordship. The sand is Christ's words heard and not obeyed, not followed, following self-delusion, following the world's ideas, following Satan himself even. Now, this, Jesus is not saying that the only part of the Bible that you should listen to is the red letters, okay? Um, if you have a red letter Bible. Jesus is not saying that it's, it's only his exact words that can be listened to. Jesus is the living word. He is in complete agreement with everything in the written word. And you think about what Jesus did, even in the Sermon on the Mount, how, how he says he fulfills the written word of God. That Jesus consistently uh, lifted up the worth of the written word of God. Uh, go with me to Matthew chapter 5. He spoke of this specifically in verse 17. Right away at the start, after he had given the Beatitudes and, and, uh, and the, the idea of salt and light, he basically said this. He said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not a yoda, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever re relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus himself says the word of God is important. But this, this passage is often taught, especially to kids, and it's taught this way, just give your heart to Jesus. This is what it means. Give your heart to Jesus. Just, just love Jesus. That's not all it's saying. It's not merely, this is not merely a matter of giving our hearts to Jesus. It is a matter of building according to what Jesus says, according to his word. And so uh, we sang a, a lot of great hymns today, but the old hymn, uh, How Firm the Foundation, got it right. They, they said it right. How firm the foundation, you saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said? To you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. The idea here is that the foundation for our faith is laid in the word of God. You don't need to go looking elsewhere to know where that foundation is. Jesus has revealed it and he's revealed it in his word. And so when Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, like a wise man who built his house upon a rock, and that house, that life is gonna stand. See, everyone is building a house. Now, 
there are some home builders here, but uh, everyone is building a house, meaning life, meaning a career, meaning a family, meaning even a reputation. And everyone is building on some foundation. Everyone believes that something is true. Everyone believes that something is solid, something is worthy to be trusted, something is strong and stable. Everyone believes that the thing that they're building with is the right, right thing. But Jesus is saying, my words are the most stable foundation in the universe. So Jesus' words about the two houses applies to everything in life. It applies to the present. It applies to the future. It applies to that greatest storm, that eschatological storm, that end time storm, that judgment day that's coming. And it's really not difficult to make the connection that Jesus is wanting us to see here that the wise person builds to last. What he builds can withstand anything. And that the foolish person builds what is weak, what cannot withstand either tough times in life and ultimately God's judgment. And Jesus wants us to be like the wise builder. And, and he wants us to have wisdom. He wants us to have common sense, to, to, to think uh, accurately, to think logically, to think biblically, to have a, a biblical worldview. It's, it's, it's a known fact today that many people who, who claim allegiance to Jesus don't have a biblical worldview. They don't have a strong footing in the word of God that then translates into a life lived in light of God's revealed truth and, and for his glory. What happens is many people who claim faith in Christ and claim allegiance to Christ live on their own ideas. They live on worldly wisdom. They live on ideas not grounded in the word of God Jesus wants us to have wisdom and, and wisdom is all about is all about uh, hearing wisdom is all about understanding wisdom is all about um, the idea of knowledge being put into practice um, many of Jesus' hearers who knew the word of God would have made a connection to what he was saying as it relates to Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4, which says, By wisdom a house is built. By understanding it is established. By knowledge its rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And there's a picture there of wisdom and understanding and knowledge that point to a foundation and, and the frame and even what fills the house, the furnishings of the house. And Jesus wants us to have that. That he wants us to know what to do and know how to do it and then actually do it. Actually do what we know. They would have thought of Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. Jesus ends this sermon with what has been clear all the way through. That he is calling for radical submission to his lordship. He is the one who fulfills all righteousness. Here's an interesting point. This sermon, these are the last official words of his sermon. And, and preachers like me, we like to end on a good note. You know, we like to, you know, make people feel good and make them feel comfortable and all that. Well, Jesus, the prince of preachers, didn't. 
Here's how he ended his sermon. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, the house of the foolish man. And it fell. And great was the fall of it. Period. He's warning the disobedient. He's encouraging the obedient. He's warning the disobedient. But here's the thing. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount was not just Jesus saying, hey, I want to give you three things that you can take this week and it'll get you to next week. Jesus was not saying, my words are just really cool to live by. What he was saying is, I'm talking about life and death, people. I'm talking about your eternal destiny and everything before that. Yes, your life here and now, but also where are you going to spend eternity? This is important stuff. There are two really simple questions that this passage of Scripture points us to, really leads us to. They're simple, no brain surgery questions on this one, okay? It's just two simple questions. Number one, are you hearing Christ's words? Are you hearing Christ's words? Have you heard them, and are you listening? You know, are you you in God's Word on a daily basis? Do you actually... To take in and and be uh, filled with God's words. Are you in a place, and you all are, in a place where you can hear the word of God? um, And and do you share it with anyone? Do you you interact with the word of God on a daily basis with people in your sphere of influence, your your home, and and even your your, uh, friends out in the community? Are Are you hearing Christ's words? The second question is also very simple. Are you doing Christ's words? Are you putting them into practice? Are you living it? What have you done and what are you doing with them? Last week we looked at um, verses 21 through 23 and Jesus said in verse 21, not everyone is getting in to heaven. Not everyone. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he says, who will enter the kingdom of heaven? And he says, the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And we saw that first and foremost, that means the will, doing the will of God as it relates to Jesus is first of all, believing in Jesus. And then obeying Jesus. And then God produces fruit through the life of that person. Well here, the will of the Father that Jesus refers to in verse 21 comes into very clear focus. Very clear focus. It's, it's defined by Jesus' words. What Jesus calls these words of mine. Verse 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. So what, what Jesus is in, in wanting us to do is abide in his words. To stake our lives upon his word. To dwell in and let them dwell in us. To base our every decision upon God's word. And what would honor God? There's one issue for many people today that happens is that they don't know Jesus' words. And they don't know what the church they belong to teaches or believes about the Bible. A lot of people don't know the Bible. I've talked to people before that have been believers for years and, oh, I just don't know the word. And I can't think of any good excuse why a person would be a believer for, for so long and, and not 
come to know the Word of God well. And, and then there's that idea of, of not even knowing that what the church teaches. I, you don't know how many people I've come across that, that don't know where we stand here at Grace Church on the teachings of the Bible. What we, what we say we believe, our statement of faith. And then what happens then is even worse, really, is when someone doesn't know Jesus' words, they claim faith in Christ, but they don't know Jesus' words, and they don't even know what their church teaches, what, what's worse is they make it up. They just take a wild guess. Well, you know, based upon my picture of what Jesus must be like, here's what he must have said. And based upon what I've seen in this church, this is what they must believe without going and checking you need to know the word of God you need to know and you need to know what this church believes most of us have multiple Bibles you don't have a Bible come talk to me after the service I'll buy you one I'll, go, I'll get you a good Bible and if you don't know what this church believes go check it out it's on our website I'll print you, I'll print you a copy out you need to check it up check up and see I will assure you though it is biblical what we believe here at Grace is based upon the Bible and it is biblical. It's solid and it's sound. But you have a Bible and if you don't, we'll get you one. And you can check out our statement of faith, but you need to know. Why is this so crucial? Why is it so critical to know these things? It's because this knowledge and practice idea, this hearing and doing, this understanding and then putting it into practice in life or lack thereof is going to affect present and future generations it is affecting present and future generations let me give you an example uh, a couple weeks ago I mentioned that parents have this, this, this beautiful privilege from God this responsibility that God has given of teaching their children the Bible this is, and, and this is the way God uh, designed for it to happen it's a high calling from God it's one that God takes seriously it's one that we take seriously and it's great, this is a great thing, is when you do what the Bible says, things work out well. Good things happen. Now, it doesn't mean your life is easy. It just means that God is blessing what is going on because we're following what the Word says. And here at Grace, we always want to say, is this what the Word says? And understand it and, and accurately portray it. But see, we cannot pass on what we ourselves do not have. We cannot teach what we don't either believe or, or know or, and sincerely desire to live. So we must be rooted in Christ, rooted in his word for our sakes and for that of the present and future generation should the Lord not come back until that time. God only knows. The last thing I want to mention is this, and uh, you'll, you're going to wonder about your notes and... Uh, I made this decision first hour and it took me about 30 seconds of speaking as I was preaching and, and praying and thinking, but we're not going to do the three assurances today, okay? That can wait till next week, three assurances. But um, I just want to close it with this. This, there, I believe there's a tie-in with what Jesus said in John chapters 14 and 15 with what he said here in the Sermon on the Mount. So I want you to go there with me. John chapter 14 and verse 23. Excuse me, verse 2, verse 2. John chapter 14 and verse 2. This will be a little tricky, so you're going to have to stay with me on this one. Um, it's a little complicated, but I believe there's this tie-in. And, and it, here's what he says in John chapter 14 and verse 2. 
He had just said, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And then he says, in my father's house, and that's the Greek word oikos, in my father's house are many rooms. Many rooms, or many dwelling places, or if you have the King James, many mansions, right? Um, That's the Greek word mone, which comes from the Greek word meno, which means to abide, or to remain. So he says in verse 2, in my father's house are many abiding places, dwelling places, rooms. Now go to verse 23, John, John 14, 23. Jesus was answering a question from one of his disciples. How are you going to manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Our, our abode, our, our room, our dwelling place. Same, same Greek word as in, as in verse 2, mone. Um, it's, it's the whole idea of God would be uh, abiding with us. Now, verse 25, he says, These things I've spoken, Jesus is speaking, to you while I am still with you but the helper the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you and then go down to chapter 15 and verse 4 Jesus is speaking in the context of I am the vine and you are the branches my father is the farmer and, and all that he says this he says abide in me same Greek word that's in 14.2 and 14.23 this remain in me remain in me abide in me dwell in me make your place in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me I am the vine you are the branches whoever abides in me whoever has his place in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing Verse 7, he says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, if they're dwelling in you, if they're remaining in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Verse 10, he says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. See, God is building a house. God is building a household. Your life is, if you are a believer in Jesus, if you've come to faith in Christ, your life is his dwelling place. And he dwells in you, and you're called then to abide and remain and have your being in him, that everything in your life would be oriented around Christ and around what he has said in his word. The household of faith is being built. God is building the house of God. Christ's church which consists of all who dwell in him and his word because he dwells in them and as a result when you ask this question am I rock solid am I I solid it's the idea of if you're hearing and doing what Jesus says you are it shows that that relationship that exists so we're going to stop there we're going to pray and next week we'll talk about the three assurances Lord God, we thank you so much for how good you are to us that you had given us your word. And thank you, Lord, so much that, that your sermon on the mount has been so life-changing for us and it's f- so full of grace. And we thank you, Lord. 
we thank you, Lord, that you're holy and that, that you require your people to be holy, but that what you ask, you provide the strength to be and to do. And thank you, Lord, that in, in Christ Jesus, you have graciously provided a payment for sin in the person of Jesus as our substitute, dying in our place on the cross. Thank you, Lord, that all those who have been saved by grace through faith in Christ are the ones who hear and do Jesus' words. Thank you, Lord. Lord, may all who, who know Jesus have a deep awareness of their position in him. May they know your presence. May they know the comfort of having fellow travelers who have a common bond in Christ that will mutually support each other to the glory of God as they hear and do Jesus' words. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.